0: radio.com
1: This is a new day. Here is word.
2: Let us pray. the sunrise
3: morning show. Today a way to start your day.
1: Today is Friday, July the 7th. It is the feast of Blessed Peter to Rot. Let's begin this hour praying the canticle of Zechariah. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people and set them free. He has raised up for us a mighty savior, born of the house of his servant David. Through his holy prophets, he promised of old that he would save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us. He promised to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, and welcome to this Friday edition of the Sunrise Morning Show here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Anna Mitchell coming to you from the studios of Sacred Heart Catholic Radio in Cincinnati, Ohio. Paul Lockman at the controls for us. Matt is on vacation, but left us with a conversation that we can enjoy this morning, kicking things off this hour actually with Stephanie Mann from Supremacy and Survival.blogspot.com, continuing to reflect on mementos of the English martyrs and confessor, confessors by Father Sebastian Bowden. Jeff Cavins will begin a new Bible study with us. Um, We are going to be going through with him and his co-authors of A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament from Ascension Press, Um, each of the books of the Bible, getting a little introduction to each of the, well, I should say, of the Old Testament. And um, we're going to start, of course, with Genesis, with Jeff today. Our legal and political analyst, Ken Craycraft, will be along later this hour to unpack the ruling in favor of a Christian web designer in 303 Creative v. Ellenus, which has some major implications for freedom of speech, of course, but also uh, freedom of religion. And we'll wrap things up for the hour with Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture, taking a look at the readings for Mass this upcoming Sunday. Right now, it's three minutes past, and it's time for news. <music> The U.S. will be arming Ukraine with cluster bombs. The Pentagon is expected to announce today that President Biden has approved Ukraine's request for the weapons. The provision will bypass a U.S. law prohibiting the production, use or transfer of cluster munitions, which are banned by most countries in the world. The announcement comes as concerns are rising over Ukraine's lagging counteroffensive against Russian troops and its dwindling stocks of artillery. The European bishops have joined the Pope and other religious leaders in condemning the recent burning of a Quran outside a mosque in Sweden. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports.
4: The commission of the bishops' conferences of the European Union, or COMMERCE, said it stands in fraternal support with Muslim communities. In a message posted on Twitter on July the 5th, Comesse strongly condemned the burning of the Qur'an as well as any actions of hatred or incitements to violence asking the European Union to ensure a greater respect for religions and their sacred symbols. The post also attaches a statement of the European Council of Muslim Leaders signed by its president, Imam Yahya Palavicini. The European Bishop statement adds to the condemnation also expressed by several christian churches across the world in a statement released last week in the wake of the incident the swedish christian council described it as a deliberate violation of the muslim faith and identity and an attack on all people of faith in recent days the council of heads of the churches and christian communities of iraq condemned the desecration of the quran as a despicable act an incitement to religious hatred and an attack on peace between peoples which in no way can be justified by the right of freedom of expression the act has aroused a strong public reaction in Iraq and is cause of major concern for the Iraqi Christian community, also because it was carried out by an Iraqi refugee. I am Lisa Zingerini.
1: The man who fatally shot 23 people at a Walmart in El Paso will be sentenced in federal court today. The shooter admitted he targeted Hispanics in the 2019 mass shooting. Survivors and relatives of the victims came face-to-face with the shooter in court this week. He pleaded guilty back in February to 90 counts in exchange for a sentence of 90 consecutive life terms. He could still face the death penalty when he's prosecuted by the state of Texas. The FDA is granting full approval to a potential breakthrough Alzheimer's drug. Lakembi is the first drug proven to slow the memory loss disease. Other approved drugs only target its symptoms. The drug got fast-tracked early this year based on evidence that it clears brain buildups associated with Alzheimer's. Reports say the small bag of cocaine found in the White House was discovered in a different area than previously reported. Mark Mayfield reports.
0: NBC News reports it was found in a cubby near the White House West Executive Entrance, not the formal West Wing. The area is on the same floor as the Situation Room and a dining area and is a heavily trafficked area used by staff and military and facilities operations employees. The bag is being tested for DNA and fingerprints and the investigation could be completed by Monday. Investigators are also reviewing security camera footage from the area. I'm Mark Mayfield.
1: The Holy See yesterday released the Pope's schedule for his upcoming visit to Mongolia. The Holy Father will be the first Pope to visit the country that borders both China and Russia. The apostolic voyage is scheduled from September 1st through the 4th, and he's set to meet with civic and religious leaders and will speak at an ecumenical and interreligious meeting on September 3rd, after which he will celebrate Mass. There is just a small population of Catholics in Mongolia. And teenagers can now have their own Uber accounts. The new feature allows for teens to request their own rides or to order food. The special accounts can be supervised by parents through the family profile in the Uber app. A parent with an active profile can send an invite to their teen to create the account, and safety features will apparently be automatically enabled. Yesterday marked the first day that this feature was active I really can't see anything going wrong with teenagers having unfettered well I guess it's not unfettered access to uber but I'll just say well I don't have any teenagers so I don't know maybe parents of teenagers are rejoicing that they don't have to order uber eats for their kids anymore the kids can just do it for themselves I don't know what a world it's too bad Matt's not here to uh, comment on this, but we're going to hear from Matt here in just a second as uh, the Sunrise Morning Show begins here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network on this feast of blessed Peter Rot. It's 8 Past.
5: I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Stephanie Mann. She is the author of Supremacy and Survival, Catholic's... Endured the the English Reformation. She's also got a blog of the same name. Stephanie, good morning.
6: Good morning, Matt.
5: So I know that uh, when it comes to picking good Bible verses for like a retreat or, you know, sometimes schools pick a theme verse for the year uh, or, you you know, certain athletes, you know, have a verse that they write on everything whenever they sign autographs. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around yeah. what Saint John Fisher was thinking when he knew he was about to be executed yes. and trying to find the perfect verse to think about leading up to that. My goodness.
6: Yes, and and, and also remember that you know he, he knew the Bible. He, you know, he, he was he was relying on God at that moment to provide him, as he says, with the verse that would be of comfort to him at that moment. He says, as he's on his way to execution, he's so weak after being imprisoned in in the Tower of London for more than a year, that he has to be carried in a chair. And I mean, he's not in a wheelchair. He's being carried in a a chair so very awkwardly brought to his side of execution. And he stands up, leans against a wall again because he's so weak and frail and says, Oh, Lord, this is the last time that ever I shall open this book, meaning the book of the New Testament that he has. Let some comfortable place now chance unto me. And he opens the book, the Bible, to John 17, verses 3 and 4. This is everlasting life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work that thou gavest me to do. And then he closes the book and says, Here is even enough learning for me for my life's end, for the few moments I have left. This is what I needed to hear, and this is what I need to know, is that there's only one thing to for me to hold on to, and that is Jesus and hmm. the hope of everlasting life.
5: Well, that's John chapter 17. It is stunning, isn't it? Just that... Yeah, John chapter 18, yes. Jesus is arrested, right? So this is the, the prayer, yes. part of the long uh, prayer that Jesus prays the night before his crucifixion, and for John Fisher to pray from those... That that very text, you know, as he is heading to his own execution. What a powerful thought. Uh, you know, and as I'm thinking about this, I think about this almost every time you bring up a martyr. But if the uh, yes. public executions are meant to be a form of entertainment or a deterrent, you know, against going against the government. I mean, what must the crowds be thinking when True. they see John Fisher, you know, who can barely stand, uh, you know, leaning on the consolation of christ i mean surely people are like this isn't fun anymore
6: according to the records we have they were shocked when he when he finally reached the scaffold out on tower hill outside the tower of london they were shocked at his appearance when he removed his uh, gown and 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 basically prepared himself to, to for beheading that he was so emaciated that he, he looked so frail in fact that people in the, uh, like you say, the crowd there to witness. Maybe some of them were there because of curiosity. Maybe some were there because they knew he was a holy man and they wanted to see a holy man, what he would do. They said, why is the king even killing this man? He's already dying. It's so clear. And yet you put him through this. And, you know, remember that when he was sentenced to death, he thought he was going to be sentenced to to the full death of a traitor to be hanged, drawn and quartered that horrible torture. And I don't think beheading is, is perhaps more merciful, but it's still a terrifying death. So they really did. In this t- case, they did. Say, Why is this good man being executed? And so it did, it kind of t- that's one of the things, like we've also said so often, is the martyr turned against the administration who were ordering the martyrdoms because it was so clear that this was a holy man.
5: You know, I find it interesting just the uh, amount of details. You know, so often we don't get all the details in martyrdoms, but here, I mean, just little things like he asked to sleep in that day. (laughs) You know, I mean, what a strange thing to include in the story.
6: Yes, well, I thought as I read those details, particularly the ones about you know he he asked to sleep a little bit longer and he dresses warmly. You know, he prepares himself, and even those around him probably thought, "Why are you doing this?" I think that's part of his. he, He was resolute and calm. I mean, he needed that comfort from the, from uh, the word of God, but still he was resolute and calm. So, and then the, the fact that you do prepare yourself to be seen in public so that you dress warmly and dress as well as you can also shows that, that he was calm and resolute. I mean, this was, I mean, he's almost treating this as though this is just a normal day. Uh, let me, let me get another couple of hours of sleep and let me prepare myself for, for uh, this execution in a way that's not, uh, you know that's th- not uh, like i'm I'm frightened or I'm afraid or I'm tense. he is calm and resolute, and so I think that also shows his again the holiness martyrs uh, we i think we've said this too sometimes martyrs have to be holy to be martyrs you have to be prepared to give up your life in other ways so that you can give up your life ultimately like this and so that that calmness is what I th- think those uh, details indicate is he's ready.
5: Yeah, in Father Bowden's account of the martyrdom of St. John Fisher, he also recalls kind of a, you know, Father forgive them for they know not what they do sort of moment in the process here as well with the executioner.
6: Yes, because he he says, you know, that was also kind of a common thing for these executions. He thanks the executioner. He forgives him. Uh, Usually you uh, pay the executioner some kind of small token of uh uh because you want him to aim well and cut off your head in one fl- one blow but yes there's that aspect too that he is uh, again he's of course that's acting as in the persona of christ which he was as a priest and, and bishop but also just the fact that he could have that kind of, of forgiveness and calmness in the midst of this horrible scene of being beheaded nearly naked and then the fact that his body is left on the scaffold, but his fa- his head, which looks like a death's head before his execution, is then placed on a pike over London Bridge. and Father Bowd includes this detail that they had to remove his head because it became so lifelike in a way that it was stopping traffic and And again, so it's just showing you it's going against what the what the administration, what the Henry VIII was trying to show is this is a warning to you of what this means. To oppose me, in a way, it also shows this is a sign to you that opposing me is not the end. There's a a reward for this martyrdom that you can't comprehend and that Henry can't comprehend.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Stephanie Mann. You can read more about it at her blog, supremacyandsurvival.blogspot.com. Let's take a look at weather across the nation. Rain, showers, and thunderstorms will be found along and east of the Rocky Mountains. Best chance this afternoon and evening. Any area that sees rainfall could be at risk for slow-moving, slow-moving repeated rounds to heavy rain leading to flooding concerns especially in the central plains and mid mississippi valley as well as the northeast another concern will be strong to severe thunderstorms in the northern and central plains the northern half of the mississippi valley and the midwest two spots could stay dry great lakes and ohio valley and high pressure will slowly strengthen over the southwest and west coast That will bring dry and hot weather to locations west of the Rockies. We got headlines coming up next. It's 17 past here on the Sunrise Morning Show.
5: I'm Matt Swain, grateful that Visiting Angels underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide to continue living at home rather than a nursing home. Experienced, compassionate caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. And services are provided up to 24 hours per day with caregiver selection before service begins. Visiting Angels. Online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com.
7: Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the U.S.E.C.B.
5: Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine.
1: Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission.
5: While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store.
1: Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com.
2: Why do we need to pray? We don't pray because God needs our prayers. We pray because we need God's grace. And every day, When I face the day, I realize I have no idea what I'm doing (laughs) and I need God to walk me through my day step by step, giving me the grace, the counsel, the love, the encouragement that enables me to glorify him in everything that I do and become the person he wants me to be. Prayer is my
3: lifeline.
1: 19 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Let's take a look at headlines. The Holy See today has released the list of those who will be participating in the gathering of the Synod on Synodality in October. The European bishops have joined the Pope and other religious leaders in condemning the recent burning of a Quran outside of a mosque in Sweden. And the Pentagon is expected to announce today that the U.S. will be arming Ukraine with cluster bombs. Next newscast coming up in about 10 minutes from now at the bottom of the hour here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And just quickly, before we have to go to break, today the feast of Blessed Peter Torot, who is, or Torot, I'm not sure what is the uh, correct way to pronounce his name. Uh, He's from Papua New Guinea, and... Just an incredible story of a man who stood up for marriage. He was a catechist in Papua New Guinea when the Japanese took over and tried to reintroduce polygamy. And he stood up against them and upheld the Catholic teaching on marriage that it is between one man and one woman And he was imprisoned and murdered in 1945, known as a martyr for marriage. Blessed Peter Tarot, pray for us.
5: For iced tea, if you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine
1: go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at s o n r i s e m o r n i n g s h o w . c o m and when you make a purchase we earn a commission
5: while you're at our site pick up a mug or etched travel
1: mug which are available in our online store get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com this past year has been a
8: crazy roller coaster ride but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's leah, at sacredheartradio.com.
9: The Universal Prayer by Pope Clement XI. Lord, I believe in you but let me believe more strongly. I hope in you, but let me hope more confidently. I love you, but let me love you more ardently. I adore you as my first beginning, I long for you as my last end, I praise you as my constant benefactor, I call upon you as my loving protector. Guide me by your wisdom, hold me by your justice, comfort me with your mercy, protect me with your power. I offer you, Lord, my thoughts, that they may be fixed on you. My words, that they may be about you. My actions, that they may be regulated by you. My sufferings, that they may be endured for you. Enlighten my mind, inflame my will, purify my heart, sanctify my soul. Grant that I may prepare for death, be concerned about judgment, flee from hell, and obtain paradise through Christ our Lord. Amen. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan.
1: back with us now on the sunrise morning show is jeff Cavins for our weekly bible study with ascension press using the new catholic guide to the old testament which you can get a copy of through ascensionpress.com slash old testament jeff welcome back
10: Thank you. It's good to be back with you.
1: It is good to have you back. And today we are going to be studying the book of Exodus, getting a little intro to it. And this, like the rest of the Pentateuch, attributed to Moses, as we spoke about last time. And, uh, of course, Moses, very much the prominent figure in this book. Start us off with with the important events, sort of an outline of, of what we get, what we need to be particularly attentive to when when reading sure. the book of Exodus.
10: Well, I think number one is that it's important to realize that the time period between the end of Genesis with Joseph and the beginning of Exodus, there's 400 years there. Hmm. And so you have this gap where Israel is in bondage in Egypt for 400 years. And then they call out to God because they want to be free. And one of the major points is that is that this little baby Moshe in uh, Hebrew Moshe means to to uh, to draw out of the Nile. He's drawn out. He's the one that's going to be used to deliver uh, Israel from bondage. And so he grows up uh, for 40 years. And uh, when he's about 40 years old, he ends up killing an Egyptian who is who is abusing the Hebrews, and that leads to 40 years. Out in the desert for Moses and then at 80 God calls on him to go to Pharaoh and say let my people go and so that brings on the next big event which is the Exodus it is the, the, the ten plagues the tenth being uh, the death of the firstborn this epic event brings them out of bondage and takes three months to go down to Mount Sinai and God feeds them in the desert, He takes care of them in the desert, and then they come to Mount Sinai and they're there for one year. And three major things happen down at Sinai. They receive the law. They receive uh, the tabernacle for worship, and they receive a new priesthood, and that is going to be the, uh, you know, the, the Levites. They're going to be the, the priests, the tribe of priests. And so they're there for a year and they're learning how to how to trust God. They're learning to be faithful to God. And then when they break camp, they're going to go up into the uh, promised land to see if they can take it. And that's going to be in the future for you uh, in your show. But those are the major events of, of Exodus. It is the actual Exodus. And then it is one year at Mount Sinai where they learn to trust God. And we have we have a battle again with mm-hmm. faithfulness, just like Genesis.
1: Well, imagine that. Yeah, that leads me to, uh, to ask you, I mean, what knowing the, the general story now, what are the, the key themes that come out of this book?
10: Well, I think the, the key themes are that, uh, uh, number one, God is, is freeing them to not just be free to do whatever they want. He is freeing them for the purpose of serving him. And worship. In fact, the first, the first shot at this was Moses was going to ask for a three-day journey out there where they could worship God. So freedom is not for us to do what we want. Freedom is to serve or to, uh, to worship God. That's that's one one very very important theme in during the book of of Exodus. And then another major theme is that when it, when we serve God and we worship God, there is there is a prescribed way to do it. It's not just for us to make it up, but God even shows us how we are to come to him and worship him and engage engage with him. That's another theme. And another theme is the authority of God. Uh, God's word is authority. God gives his authority to Moses, which it'll be challenged by his very own family. But authority is gonna be very, very important if the people of God are gonna survive out in the desert provision is another theme God gives them the manna he gives them water from from the rock and and that can really be encapsulated in this one this one phrase that God brought you out here to show you that man does not live by bread alone mm-hmm. but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God and so if Israel going to truly be the people that God has called them to be, they're going to have to go through a major makeover in how they think, and how they live, and they need to be distinct and different. And that's what God is doing in the Exodus.
1: So is it possible then to overstate the importance of the book of Exodus when it comes to understanding Jesus
10: Oh, it's so important. It's so important because the theme of Exodus and return is a major theme in the Old Testament, and it, and it, and it goes all the way into the New Testament, where uh, when Jesus is on the Mount Mount of Transfiguration, Mount T- Tabor, he's with Moses and Elijah and Peter, James, and John. And it says in Luke's Gospel what he's even talking about there. And it says he's talking to them about his exodus the new exodus which will begin in Jerusalem the exodus from what egypt no it's the it's the it's the exodus from sin it's the freedom from sin and so jesus is going to lead the new exodus and that's why he goes up into the mountain with the sermon on the mount as moses went up on the amount to receive the law, and Jesus is going to give the new law of this new covenant in his kingdom.
1: We'll have to leave it there, but encourage folks to go pick up a copy of A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament. You can find it through ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament. And if you want the Great Adventure Catholic Bible on your phone, you can download the free Ascension app through Ascension Press. Dot com. We've been talking to Jeff Cavins. Jeff, really appreciate it.
10: Thank you. It's good to be with you again.
1: It was great to have you. Thank you so much. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. The Holy See today has released the list of those who will be participating at the gathering of the Synod on Synodality in October. Brownsville Bishop Daniel Flores, who has overseen the U.S. Bishops' efforts in the Synod, is listed as a President's Delegate. The President of the Synod is Pope Francis. Bishop William of the Ruthenian Eparchy of Pittsburgh, has been named a Special Delegate. The other American delegates are Archbishop Timothy Broglio, Bishop Robert Barron, Bishop Kevin Rhodes, and Cardinal Timothy Dolan. The Pope has appointed Cardinal Blaise Supich, Archbishop Paul Achen, Cardinal Wilton Gregory, Cardinal Robert McElroy, Cardinal Sean O'Malley, and Father James Martin. They will all be in the gathering in Rome come October. The U.S. will be arming Ukraine with cluster bombs. The Pentagon is expected to announce today that President Biden has approved Ukraine's request for weapons. The provision will bypass U.S. law prohibiting the production, use, or transfer of cluster munitions, which are banned by most countries in the world. The announcement comes as concerns are rising over Ukraine's lagging counteroffensive against Russian troops and its dwindling stocks of artillery. Meanwhile, Russian jets have harassed U.S. military drones over Syria for a second time. Mark Mayfield reports.
0: On Wednesday, the Pentagon announced that Russian jets had dropped parachute flares on American drones. On Thursday, U.S. military officials say that Russian planes dropped more flares on more U.S. drones trying to carry out a mission against ISIS. Lieutenant General Alexis Greenwich says the incident represents another example of unprofessional and unsafe actions by Russian Air Forces. I'm Mark Mayfield.
1: The man who fatally shot 23 people at a Walmart in El Paso will be sentenced in federal court today. The shooter admitted he targeted Hispanics in the 2019 Mass shooting and survivors and relatives of victims came face to face with him in court this week. He pleaded guilty back in February to 90 counts in exchange for a sentence of 90 consecutive life terms. He could still face the death penalty, though, when he's prosecuted by the state of Texas. Cardinal Michael Cherney, who heads the Dicastery for Promoting Integral Human Development, has released a message for C-Sunday this weekend highlighting the essential work of seafarers. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports.
4: In his message marking the annual celebration of Sea Sunday, Cardinal Czerny reiterates the Church's closeness and solidarity with all seafarers. The message notes that though our daily lives and the world economy depend on their essential work, we know hardly anything about their needs and their faith. Many are forced to stay away from their loved ones and don't even have access to spiritual services during their their long months at sea the prefect of the dicastery for promoting integral human development therefore recalls that sea sunday is not reserved to seafarers but calls the attention of every christian community to those thanks to whom we receive a great part of the goods that nourish us and that we use every day However, he adds, the church not only has something to give to seafarers, but also to receive from them. Your experience can reach and challenge all the members of the church, and through them our societies, the message remarks, recalling that in a synodal church, in which we walk together, enriching one another without leaving anyone behind, no one should think that they have nothing to offer. The message, therefore, reiterates the Church's commitment in this year's celebration to renew its efforts to get closer to each other in an ongoing exchange that would make seafarers' work less far from the daily experience and the faith of all. Cardinal Czerny concludes the message by invoking the intercession of Mary, the Star of the Sea, and for her to be a font of consolation and perseverance. I am Lisa Zengarini.
1: The bishops of Iraq and the EU have joined Pope Francis in condemning the recent burning of a Quran outside a mosque in Sweden. The Holy Father had said he was angry and disgusted. The Iraqi bishops joined in on an ecumenical statement calling it a despicable act, an incitement to religious hatred, and an attack on peace between peoples. That's the news. You're listening to The Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour the
11: Show.
5: Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods, especially for you.
1: Go to the mystic Monk coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission.
5: And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store.
1: Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller
8: coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track. By underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe, who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com.
11: This is every day with St. Francis de Sales. Love is the life of our heart. All our affections follow our love. According to it, we desire, rejoice, hope, despair, take heart, hate, feel sadness or aversion, grow angry, and exult. We see how men who have given their hearts as prey to a base ignoble love of women desire only what goes with such love. Hence, when divine love reigns in our hearts, like a king it brings into subjection all other loves possessed by the will. It is the saving water of which our Lord has said, whoever drinks the water I give him will never be thirsty. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Chris Armstrong.
1: It's 37 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy Friday, everybody. Sunrise Morning Show legal and political analyst Ken Craycraft is back with us now. He's a professor at Mount St. Mary's Seminary. He writes for the Catholic Telegraph, our Sunday visitor, and the UK Catholic Herald, among others. Good morning, Ken.
12: Good morning, Annie. How
1: are you? I am doing fine. And, you know, we've talked about this case a few times as it was making its way through the courts, and now we have the Supreme Court's decision in favor of a Christian web designer in 303 Creative v. Ellenis. Now, I'm going to try to summarize this. Lori Smith wanted to create wedding websites, but she knew, being a resident of Colorado, that she was going to get sued because she believes, as a Christian that marriage is between one man and one woman, and Colorado argued that their famous anti-discrimination law would not allow her uh, owning a public business to refuse service to same-sex couples, even if doing so violated her conscience. So, what did the court rule?
12: Well, you summarized the case uh, precisely, and the court ruled that in a nutshell, the state of Colorado, nor of course by extension any state, because this case has very good presidential value, uh, the state of Colorado cannot force a person to accede to the state's belief about something that violates one's conscience or that one believes is not false. And therefore the state cannot force a person to say something that the person believes is false, or to put it in more uh, technical terms, they cannot compel speech that um that laurie smith believes is false now it's very important at the outset annie to reiterate what you just said that this case was about speech it was about free speech and as a matter of fact when we talked about the case last october when the court uh initially agreed to hear the case the court declined uh laurie smith's request that the that the court also uh, declare that the colorado uh Anti-Discrimination Act, CADA, as it's known. The court declined to declare that it violates the uh, Free Exercise Clause of the First Amendment. It declined even to hear that question, so it wasn't even considered. And the court also declined to use the case to revisit the famous peyote case from Oregon, uh, the uh, Smith versus uh, uh, Employment Division uh, of Oregon. So the, the court very narrowly ruled in one sense Uh, That it was only about protecting speech and more specifically that to compel someone to say something they don't believe, even in a public accommodation as the website uh, is or the website company is, is a violation of the speech clause of the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution.
1: That's really interesting. What are the implications of that in that this is only a freedom of speech case and not a freedom of of religion case or both?
12: You know, and that's a really good question because it's, it's funny, And in, in some sense, it's narrower than, than people are saying, and in some sense, it's broader than what people are saying. Um, I wish that the court had uh, used it as an, uh, an opportunity to say that the CADA violates uh, the, the religion, the Free Exercise Clause of the First Amendment, but it didn't, it was narrow. And I just described how it was narrow, narrower because it only speaks to speech. But it's more expressive Uh, but it's more expansive rather than if it had uh, considered the issue of religion because it applies to any speech. The speech does not have to be religiously motivated. It does not have to be religiously informed. It does not have to be, uh, the speech doesn't have to be uh, related to anyone's religious convictions at all. It only means that, and this again is why it's more expansive than that, it means that any kind of speech that a person believes is false, that person cannot be compelled to say that speech under penalty of law. Uh, And and therefore, when someone opens a so-called public accommodation, again, that's a term of art, which encompasses restaurants and website bakeries, florists, and so forth. When someone has a public accommodation, they cannot be forced to say something or to participate in a falsehood, uh, even, even if the state officially, through its legislature, Uh, says that 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 falsehood is true. So it's a much narrower in the sense that it doesn't apply to religion specifically, but in that sense, it's also much broader because it's a conscience protection that exceeds even the bounds of religiously motivated uh, conscience uh, so that it protects people from participating in falsehood, even if they don't have any particular religious predilection.
1: Okay, so now talk about Justice Sotomayor's dissent.
12: Well, you know, Annie, and... it's, it's been really disappointing to read the headlines and commentary on this, uh, on this case because there's been so much distortion about what the case actually says. And it begins, unfortunately, with Justice Sotomayor's, Sotomayor's uh, um, dissent where she said something about the case in the first sentence of the second paragraph, which is flatly false. She said, quoting, today, I'm quoting now, today the court for the st- first time in its history grants a business open to the public a constitutional right to refuse to serve members of a protected class, unquote. Now, there's so much wrong with the sentence that we could take five segments saying what, what it is. The first and the most important one is that the case is not about the customer. It's about the vendor. It's not about members of a protected class, it's, a, well, that is to say, members of a protected class under a, a discrimination statute, mm-hmm. really what the case is doing is saying that vendors are a protected class when the state forces to say something forces them yeah. to say something false. So the case isn't even about so-called protected class. Still less, of course, is it about the specific class of, uh, of same-sex attracted couples. It's about f- speech. And so when when Sotomayor says that the court has granted a business the re- right to refuse to serve a protected class, not only is it not even what the question presented to the court was, it it is not what the holding of the court was, and as a matter of fact, it has nothing to do with the holding of the court. and what Sotomayor is doing, of course, is projecting her under her you know her own political or public policy preferences upon the court. And wishing the court had done that, and unfortunately, as you mentioned when you uh, earlier in the week, when you summarized the case, unfortunately, uh, her uh, cue was followed by many public commentators who have have said that the court the case is about uh, discrimination against uh, gay and lesbian people, uh, when in fact, it's nothing of the sort. It has nothing to do with the uh, with anything that the customer believes. It has everything to do with refuse with the court granting a, uh, a vendor the right not to have to say what the state believes, yeah. if the vendor believes that what the state believes is false.
1: Can I get your reflection or your thoughts on a somewhat tangential issue with this? Because I've been thinking about this a lot in, in the wake of, of this ruling. There is a real disconnect, I think, in the mind of Justice Sotomayor, who is a Catholic, by the way, and others, to them... Being gay is, quote-unquote, who you are, always and yeah. everywhere. That is who you are. But apparently yeah. to them, being Christian is confined to Sunday mornings in a church building. You can't you know that, be a Christian.
12: Yeah, that, that's that's just such a good point, Annie, and you're, you're actually, actually absolutely spot on. And it really does consume everything that they think about whenever any issue tangentially even relates to anything related to same-sex attraction or sexual issues that, that, uh, that, yeah, as you say, I mean, to be same-sex attracted, a, a term that I prefer to use the over gay, mm-hmm. to be same-sex attracted is an all-consuming identity, uh, which has to do with everything that you do. And so, for example, to give an example, anytime a, an openly same-sex attracted person or a trans person uh, is, is attacked or injured or something like that, regardless of the motivation of the attacker, it's always an anti-gay uh, attack, right? It's always yeah. an anti-trans attack, even if the person might not even have known, even if it was completely random. Whereas, as you say, and unfortunately, this administration agrees with Sotomayor, religion is confined to the four walls of the church. Uh, In fact, um, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris is very fond of saying that the, the First Amendment protects freedom of, quote, worship, freedom of worship. She says that all the time. Obviously, that's a deliberate narrowing of what the First Amendment does protect because religion is not just confined to worship. But you're exactly right. There is a there is a segment of the American population, usually defined as the secular left, because that's usually who's articulating it, that, that says that freedom of religion is never violated as long as the doors of the church are not locked. If you can get inside the church, then you have all the religious freedom that you need and all the religious freedom that's protected. Once you come outside the doors of the church, this this uh, way of thinking goes, then you don't have any religious, uh, religious freedom because religious freedom is confined to what goes on inside the church. Oh. Whereas, as you say, when it comes to things like uh, same sex attraction or trans identity, that's all consuming and that's protected everywhere uh, and, and even against uh, those who might oppose to some of the public policy implications that follow from that. And, and again, I want to em- emphasize that's important. Lori Smith has said and stipulated in the case and the court stipulated and all sides stipulated that Lori Smith will not refuse to serve anyone because of their sexual orientation. She will not refuse to serve anyone because of who they're married to. What she will not do is say things that she believes are false about marriage.
1: Exactly, exactly. Well, you can read more about this in the UK Catholic Herald's next issue. Ken Craycraft, thank you so much.
12: Thank you, Annie, good to be with you.
1: Likewise. All right, it's 13 till Father Hezekiah's Carnasso is next.
12: Support
0: is from Solidarity HealthShare.
4: Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything?
2: Join Solidarity Healthshare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity Healthshare. 844-334-3245.
8: Today on More to Life. Love Me, Love Me Not. Struggling to feel close to the people you care about will help bridge the gap. That's today on More to Life. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show.
1: Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture. Good morning, Father.
3: Good morning, Annie. It's a blessing to be with you on your listeners
1: today. It is a blessing to have you back, and we are looking ahead to the readings for Mass on the 14th Sunday in Ordinary Time this weekend, and our first reading is from the book of the prophet Zechariah, in which he says, Thus says the Lord, Rejoice heartily, O daughter Zion. Shout for joy, O daughter Jerusalem. See, your king shall come to you, a just savior is he, meek and riding on an ass on a colt, the foal of an ass. This sounds like a Palm Sunday reading, Father.
3: Yeah, it does, what you'll notice is that this is Zechariah writing some 500 years before the coming of Christ. This is fundamentally important to understand that what Jesus does in the gospel accounts, he does with full self-knowledge of who he is. Jesus, of course, is the eternal Word of God, and he lives out his life as a fulfillment of the expectation of God's people for the restoration of all things. Jesus, when he comes to Jerusalem for the Passion, stops the procession in and intentionally calls to him a colt. He asks to ride into Jerusalem, specifically because Zechariah, in this Old Testament, reading, prophesies that this would happen, and Zechariah prophesied this would happen, because this is exactly how Solomon the king was anointed as king at the order of his father David. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 33, and you're going to see this Jesus is reenacting, but more than reenacting, he's fulfilling. Because, of course, Solomon built the temple of God The place where god dwells among his people and this is exactly what jesus is going to do restore the kingdom of god on earth that is the church the gathering of god's people that are living in a a communion of love as a reflection of as a revelation of the communion of the of the trinity this is what jesus is coming to do and therefore he calls to him the cult as a way to show god's people who he really is the son of david restored therefore the kingdom of God restored here on earth the church
1: yeah and it says in this reading in Zechariah he shall banish the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem the warriors bow shall be banished and he shall proclaim peace to the nations what kind of peace are we talking about here father
3: well Well, you have to realize that Zechariah is living in a time in which Jerusalem had been burned, the people of God exiled, everything was destroyed. So when we're talking about horse and bow, it's a real reality that the Holy Land had become a place of battle and war. But Jesus is going to come unlike the kings of this world. Of course, the kings of this world are all seeking their own glory. They are all seeking their own riches. They're all seeking to expand their kingdom by force, but Jesus is going to do something other. He's going to bring peace, and ultimately the peace Jesus is going to bring is not a, a peace between, simply between nations. That will come. But most importantly, a peace of the soul, in which the evil of sin is cast out, and man is restored in the image and likeness of God.
1: And therein lies a connection that we can make to the gospel, although um, I think that the splitting of the nations plays a part in what Jesus has to say in the gospel as well, which I hope you can unpack here. Matthew chapter 11, a rather famous couple of lines from Jesus here that, you know, sounds so nice. I know how much you like the nice sayings of Jesus, so here it is. Come to me all you who labor and are burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am meek and humble of heart and you will find rest for yourselves for my yoke is easy and my burden light. Now these are really nice words from Jesus, but but what is he actually saying here?
3: Well, again, having the Old Testament background is critically important because of of course it was David's son, Solomon, not only built a temple, but Solomon also, unfortunately, as he built the temple and built uh, his throne city, he ended up enslaving his brothers, the Israelites, is specifically the house of Joseph. Again, you can go back to your Bibles, look at this in First Kings chapter 11, verse 28, and Solomon's son doubled down on his father's sin, In first kings chapter 12 it's ultimately this problem which will uh bring about the babylonian exile because this is the fundamental issue in the entire old testament is how man relates to god and how man relates to one another either we are going to live in the image and likeness of pharaoh who is living in the image and likeness of the devil seeking to enslave those that God has put in His life, holding them in, in 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 bondage, if you will, or we're going to live in the image likeness of God who grants freedom. See the, the whole story of the Exodus is fundamentally important for the, for the story of mankind, the story of Genesis, the story of creation and the fall, and either we're going to be on one side of that story or the other. Jesus, yes, indeed, is the son of of, of David, but he's going to not place the heavy burden, the enslavement, if you will, of God's people. Rather, he's going to be a fundamentally different king, because he is going to live in the image and likeness of his Heavenly Father, who has granted to mankind the freedom that we need in order to love him. Because, of course, love is always exercised in an atmosphere of freedom. it is never a forced relationship And this is the kingdom which God is going to establish on earth. This is the kingdom which Jesus has come to proclaim. And this is the kingdom which the apostles are now in this post-Pentecost season going out and proclaiming to the world. It's reestablishing between people, not a relationship of obligation, but one of invitation and of love, in which we can love one another, offering our own lives. In sacrifice if you will laying down our lives for one another that we are restored in the image and likeness of God who has laid down his life for us
1: and he gives us true rest which is not just laying around on the beach but actually designed for us to be in communion in worshiping We're God, we've been talking to Father Hezekiah's Carnazzo. And Father, if listeners want to connect with you, check out the resources at the Institute. How do they find you?
3: Come check us out at instituteofcatholicculture.org. Andy and I do a one-hour Bible study in preparation for the Sunday readings. Come check us out, instituteofcatholicculture.org.
1: Instituteofcatholicculture.org is linked at sunrisemorningshow.com just click on the explore button and then gospel reflections on the side of the page and you can find that Bible study that father and I do uh, you can also sign up to be part of a book club on brideshead revisited with the Joseph Pierce Institute of Catholic Culture.org. full hour coming up for most of our affiliates here on ewtn
0: radio.com Arise, it's a new
3: day
2: in
4: his word, let us pray the
1: sunrise morning show. a way to start your day. We're continuing our way on this Friday, July the 7th. It is the ble- it is the feast of Blessed Peter Torod. Let's begin this hour praying the psalm from Mass today, Psalm 106. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Who can tell the mighty deeds of the Lord, or proclaim all his praises? Blessed are they who observe what is right, who do always what is just. Remember me, O Lord, as you favor your people. Visit me with your saving help, that I may see the prosperity of your chosen ones. Rejoice in the joy of your people, and glory with your inheritance. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. And welcome to Hour 2 of the Sunrise Morning Show here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Anna Mitchell coming to you from the studios of Sacred Heart Catholic Radio in Cincinnati, Ohio. Paul Lockman at the controls for us. Matt Swaim is on his final day, or at least weekday, of vacation. He'll be back with us live on Monday, but he did leave us with a conversation that we can enjoy Today with Father Philip LeRae from Humanity 2.0, and uh, they're going to be talking about AI homilies. That's right. You can ask chatbots to write homilies for you, and apparently some priests are using it. And um, so he and Matt will talk about that. There was apparently an entire church service in Germany that was like created by AI that got Matt interested in the topic. So anyway, that's coming up a little bit later this hour. First up on the docket is Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo from the McGrath Institute for Church Life at Notre Dame, who is going to share with us some summer reading recommendations. We'll also catch up later this hour with Bobby Schindler from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network. Some really interesting developments in brain research and um, that could have some... Implications for recovery from traumatic brain injuries. Bobby, you'll tell us more about that. And then we'll wrap things up for the hour and for the day here on EWTN with Father Jonathan Duncan with his reflections on the readings for Mass on Sunday. Hope you can stick around for the entire hour. Right now it's three minutes past, and news is a service of Central Fabricators and CentralFabricators.com. <music> The Holy See today has released a list of those who will be participating in the gathering of the Synod on Synodality in October. Brownsville Bishop Daniel Flores, who has overseen the U.S. Bishop's efforts in the Synod, is listed as a president's delegate. The president of the Synod is Pope Francis. Bishop William Skurla of the Ruthenian Eparchy of Pittsburgh is a special delegate. Other American delegates named are Archbishop Timothy Broglio, Bishop Robert Barron, Bishop Kevin Rhodes, and Cardinal Timothy Dolan. The Pope has also appointed Cardinal Blaise Cupich, Archbishop Paul Achen, Cardinal Wilton Gregory, Cardinal Robert McElroy, Cardinal Sean O'Malley, and Father James Martin. Cardinal Joseph Tobin is listed as a member of the Ordinary Council. The U.S. will begin supplying Ukraine with cluster munitions. According to multiple reports, the Pentagon is expected to announce today that President Biden has approved Kiev's request for the weapons. The move would bypass a U.S. law prohibiting the production, use or transfer of cluster munitions with a failure rate of more than 1%. The European bishops have joined the pope and other religious leaders in condemning the recent burning of a Quran outside a mosque in Sweden. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports.
4: The Commission of the Bishops' Conferences of the European Union, or Comessè, said it stands in fraternal support with Muslim communities. In a message posted on Twitter on July the 5th, Comessè strongly condemned the burning of the Quran, as well as any actions of hatred or incitements to violence, asking the European Union to ensure a greater respect for religions and their sacred symbols. The post also attaches a statement of the European Council of Muslim Leaders signed by its president Imam Yaya Palavicini. The European bishop statement adds to the condemnation also expressed by several Christian churches across the world. In a statement released last week in the wake of the incident, the Swedish Christian Council described it as a deliberate violation of the Muslim faith and identity and an attack on all people of faith in recent days the council of heads of the churches and christian communities of iraq condemned the desecration of the Quran as a despicable act an incitement to religious hatred and an attack on peace between peoples which in no way can be justified by the right of freedom of expression The act has aroused a strong public reaction in Iraq and is cause of major concern for the Iraqi Christian community, also because it was carried out by an Iraqi refugee. I am Lisa Zingarini.
1: Crews across the country are fighting dozens of wildfires, most of them in southwestern states. New Mexico's pass fire continues to rage over 60,000 acres as firefighters try to contain it. Up by the border of Washington and Oregon, the tunnel fire has forced hundreds of people from their homes and is still growing. In response to dozens of fires in Canada, the U.S. is sending a second group of specially trained firefighters to Quebec. Thousands are still under air quality alerts due to drifting smoke from Canada, but air conditions are slowly improving. The FDA is granting full approval to a potential breakthrough Alzheimer's drug. Brian Shook reports.
7: Leukemia is the first drug proven to slow the memory loss disease. Other approved drugs only target its symptoms. The drug got fast-tracked early this year based on evidence that it clears
2: brain plaque buildup associated with the disease. I'm Brian Shook.
1: The 2023 MLB draft gets underway this weekend in Seattle. It starts Sunday night with the first two rounds being announced at Lumen Field. The Pittsburgh Pirates hold the top selection after winning the first-ever MLB draft lottery back in December. The Washington Nationals, Detroit Tigers, Texas Rangers, and Minnesota Twins round out the top five picks in the draft. And Jimmy and Rosalind Carter are celebrating their 77th wedding anniversary today. A spokesman for the Carter Center says the former president and first lady are spending private time with family members at their Southwest Georgia home. The Carters have been married longer than any other presidential couple in U.S. history. That is incredible. And I love that their wedding anniversary is on. I mean, I know they didn't know this. They got married well before he was even uh, beatified. Blessed Peter Torat, is, who is uh, being celebrated today, and uh, he's considered a martyr for marriage. A blessed from Papua New Guinea. Blessed Peter Torat great for us and congratulations to the carters 77 years incredible well today is friday july the 7th and we're happy to have you with us here on the sunrise morning show it's eight past happy to welcome back to the sunrise morning show dr leonard de lorenzo with the mcgrath institute for church life at notre dame good morning doc Good morning. It's good to have you back. And we're going to be getting some summer reading picks from you. And this is always unfair when I ask a guest to give summer reading picks because I know how hard it is for someone like, I don't know, a theology professor to kind of (laughs) narrow it down to just a couple of books that you would recommend. So we're going to get some author recommendations from you today. And first on that list is Sigrid Unset.
13: Indeed, I have really grown in fondness for Sigrid Unset over the years. And uh, honestly, when my students or others ask me you know, what they should read if they want to set about reading great works, I almost always recommend Kristen Lavransdatter, Daughter, the trilogy of novels by Sigrid Unset that actually formed the basis of her reception, her nomination and reception of the Nobel Prize in Literature, which she received in 1928. Uh, many people will be familiar with Kristen Lavransdatter, Daughter, but if they aren't, it's the story of uh, the title character uh, who, and it takes place in medieval Norway, which isn't really the way to appeal to people, it would seem today, is to say, here's a novel about a woman in medieval Norway, but what it is really is a vivid, vivid world that is created and presented to us, a world that is suffused with Catholic imagery, and yet Christian Lavin's daughter is a very real, very fleshy character who uh, enters into a number of different ways of losing herself in misdeeds and sin, who is otherwise caught up in the lives of others, her children, her father, her husband, her lovers. And over the course of this very long saga, which is well worth the read, it is a story of remarkable redemption, even unto self-sacrifice. And I think it really is a story about not only redemption, but even the movement towards sanctification in this world that you can just absolutely believe in and lose yourself in over the course of some thousand pages or so. So you need a, lo- a bit of time to read this, but Summer's the time for uh, really sinking into longer books. So I'd recommend that and at Ed said, first of all.
1: Are there mm-hmm. any other books that you've yeah. read by her that you would recommend? Are... Because it seems like that's the only one that we know about, but she right. must have written other things.
13: She wrote a lot and that's a heavy lift of course to just pick up Chris and Lovenstar. So maybe for folks who either have read that or haven't read it and are looking to see if they they kind of like the the flavor of Sigrid Unset, one book that I've really loved it's that's, that's quite different it's called Stages on the Road and Stages on the Road is a series of essays that uh Sigrid Unset wrote on the lives of the saints. In particular some otherwise uh, often neglected saints or somewhat forgotten saints. She has in this book essays on uh, Ramon Lull of Palma, Saint Angela Marici, Robert Southwell, Margaret Crithlero. She has a a letter, a proposal for a for a new prayer and a reply to a parish priest. That's what's collected in this
11: oh, wow.
13: uh, this set. But you know, what I find about it is that it is a remarkable sort of bit of writing, this collection of both saints' lives and a prophetic critique of modernity that gives us a way to have a real look into contemporary Catholicism that's based in the brilliant lives of the saints that we might not have turned our eyes to beforehand. And I find that you know her skill as a novelist comes through in these portraits that she paints because she brings us more clearly and more fully into their world and like you do with any good novel, you sort of give yourself over to the story, if you will. So Stages on the Road is much, 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 much shorter (laughs) than Christian Lavin's Daughter. And again, since it's a collection of essays, it's the sort of thing you can pick up and read one of these portraits of a saint uh, in one sitting and really get a feel for Sigrid Unsaid's pen.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And I haven't read it, but I know she also wrote a biography of Catherine of Siena That has been recommended by others as well. Now, let's move on to the next author that you recommend, Rumor Godden. Now, she's got quite a few books that portray religious life, does she not?
13: She does, and two that I think stand out above the rest, at least for me, are the first is Five for Sorrow, Ten for Joy, and the second is In This House of Breed. Now, In This House of Breed, I would count— as her great master work. Five for Sorrow, Ten for Joy is sort of on its way to that. And a little bit uh, of a tidier read. It's a book that really switches back and forth between this peaceful description of co- of convent life. It has to do with religious life. And then it's set against another another setting in the book, which is a Paris brothel. And in between those, it's the intertwining of lives according to the desire for peace and for tranquility and for depth of prayer and holiness and the sort of rough and tumble world of especially uh, women who are caught up in the misdeeds and, again, the sins of others and their own failings and hardness of heart towards one another. And it is the story, I think, of God's mercy come upon the main character, Lise, who in the end, becomes someone who bends to God's mercy and becomes a source or an instrument of mercy for others. It's a remarkable tale, and uh, Rumor Godin is an incredible novelist, um, so I, I definitely recommend that uh, for people who are looking for a great summer read. The second book that I mentioned there is In This House of Breed, which is probably among my three or four favorite novels that I've ever read. Hmm. It's a portrait of religious life in England, and it is the story of Philippa Talbot, who is this highly successful professional businesswoman who late in life discerns a vocation to the religious life and enters the convent. And so, as you could imagine, it is really the story about being accommodated or reaccommodated to a completely different form of life for somebody who was on top of the business world, who is very much free in her own ways, who now has to adopt the mannerisms and the rhythms and the courtesies and the disciplines of the convent. But what it gives us, I think, is this really perceptive view of a life ordered to the rhythms of grace and to the charity shown to one another with all the human frailties and human idiosyncrasies that come along with that. And I tell you what, like, there is no more exciting setting for a novel than in a convent, it turns out. It is just a phenomenal, (laughs) phenomenal story.
1: Well, I know you want to recommend Graham Greene, who is another of your favorite authors. Which of uh, his books would you would you most recommend?
13: Oh, The End of the Affair, I think, for me, is the top book there. And that is a, you know, for some people, it's a, it can be a little bit of a, a scandalous book, I suppose. I sometimes yeah. teach it in courses, and I also teach C.S. Lewis's The Great Divorce. And I have to tell my students, The Great Divorce is not actually about a divorce. But The End of the <laughs> Affair, I'll tell you what, it's about an affair. So you have to be ready <laughs> for that. And, and they are. Um, but The End of the Affair brings up the question of miracles, the question of the bending of one's will to the movements of providence. It has to do with control and the release of control and the real cost of what it means to love somebody for their own sake.
1: Nice, nice. And then finally, um, you're actually recommending a colleague of yours, I believe.
13: Oh, indeed. My friend and colleague, Abigail Favalli, a couple of books by her. One is her spiritual autobiography, Into the Deep, which is her conversion memoir, I should say, of her uh, coming into the Catholic Church. I've read a number of these various uh, spiritual memoirs, conversion stories, and I'll tell you what, I think Abigail stands out among the rest. Mm -hmm. I think her reception into the church happens on something like page 72, and then there is another 120-some-odd pages. It is about her slowly coming to imbibe and to live in the customs of the church and it is of such a perceptive uh take on what it means to take on a catholic life with a whole tremendous amount of humor and life and vividness in her writing she's one of the best writers that i know and i can't recommend that enough that's into the deep
1: into the deep she's also the author of the genesis of gender abigail favale Thank you so much, Dr. Leonard De Lorenzo. 17 past. We're back with headlines right after this.
0: For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show.
11: Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years. Manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com.
5: Do you use a single-brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you.
1: Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission.
5: And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store.
1: Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. If
0: you're currently an EWTN media missionary or
1: just interested in
0: becoming one, we've got some great news. EWTN Media Missionaries has a new and improved website. EWTNmissionaries.com, designed with you in mind. Our new site is loaded with great features and it's easy to navigate. There are so many different ways that you can help EWTN. Join us in sharing the eternal word with the world. Visit EWTNmissionaries.com today.
1: 19 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Let's take a look at headlines. The Holy See today has released the list of those who will be participating at the gathering of the Synod on Synodality in October. According to multiple reports, the Pentagon is expected to announce today that President Biden is approving the request from Ukraine to supply the country with cluster munitions. And the European bishops and the Iraqi bishops have joined with Pope Francis and other religious leaders in condemning the recent burning of a Quran outside a mosque in Sweden. Next newscast coming up at the bottom of the hour here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Today, the feast of Blessed Peter torat I mentioned him at the top of the hour, um, given that today is the 77th wedding anniversary of former President Jimmy Carter and his wife, Rosalind. Um, A good day to get married. I've got a friend who has an anniversary today as well. And uh, Blessed Peter Toe wrote, from Papua New Guinea, and uh, when the Japanese came and took over, tried to reinstitute polygamy, and he was martyred for upholding true marriage.
5: If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine.
1: Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission.
5: While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched
1: travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been
8: a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engagement. Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com.
7: Hello, this is Father Mark Watkins, Pastor of St. Lawrence, the St. Monica Sodality Prayer for Fallen Away Catholics. Eternal and merciful Father, I give you thanks for the gift of your divine Son who suffered, died, and rose for all mankind. You gave St. Monica a spirit of selfless love manifested in her constant prayer for the conversion of her son Augustine. Inspired by boundless confidence in your power to move hearts, I pray the grace to imitate her constancy in my heart For those who no longer share in the intimate life of your Catholic family. Grant through my prayer that they may be open to the promptings of your Holy Spirit and return to loving union with your Church. Grant that also my prayer be ever hopeful and that I may never judge another, for you alone can read hearts. I ask this through Christ our Lord, amen.
5: I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Philip LeRae, and he is with Humanity 2.0 and has all kinds of thoughts and projects related to how we are supposed to manage this question of artificial intelligence in the modern world, maybe bring a little Catholic perspective to the mix. Father, good morning.
2: Thank you, Matt. Great to be on the show again.
5: Hey, glad to have you. And, you know, I wanted to talk to somebody about this. I feel like you're the perfect person to, to discuss this with. About the uh, group of Germans who gathered to hear a homily delivered uh, by AI, I think they even had an avatar delivering it and everything. Uh, when you heard that this was happening, I wonder because you are a priest who has to deliver actual homilies, um, you know, tapping into that, but also as a philosopher, how did you? I mean, what was your reaction to that?
2: Well, as you know, a hidden secret is that many priests are using GPT to prepare their homilies so uh, we just don't say that and i think what the uh interesting thing about the german experiment it, it was that it uh the pastor was actually going to let the gpt give the homily uh through an avatar now it it, it, it also has to be remembered that the pastor helped the software prepare the sermon which is exactly what Sam Altman designed it to do, the GPT gets better the more you interact with it. So it wasn't exclusively the work of an AI, but it was in communion with the pastor. And the pastor also organized the entire event uh, with the GPT. So the whole service, it wasn't just a sermon. Okay, so- I think there were, there were if you read the article, there were two basic reactions. One was, Excitement, you know, because we're using AI for good, and and I agree with that. Uh, there's a lot of hype around AI, and especially GPT, and the possibility of it being used uh, for bad, for evil. So I think it's it is consoling to to find that we can actually use this for good and to make people feel better about themselves mm-hmm. and their religious experience, etc. The second uh, reaction I think was disappointment, and that was because it's an AI, it's not a person. So there's, there's really no interaction going on. It's, it's just people listening to what the AI has to say. And uh, the article makes the point that it made people laugh at a certain point, but there was, there was no feeling coming from the AI. It just continued you know, spurting out what it, what it had programmed to say. And, and, and I think that you know, people want a personal experience when they attend a religious service. Uh, remember during the pandemic the many Catholics asked if they could go to confession through zoom and it reached all the way to the congregation for the doctrine of the faith cardinal ladaria said no if you uh, you if, to go to confession it has to be in person you you have to be uh, with the priest and and you uh, you know behind a curtain or in a confessional but it has to be a personal experience and the rationale behind that is because A confession involves the entire person. It's not just audio or video. It's the person who is seeking reconciliation and receives reconciliation from the priest in person. So I I thought that was an interesting case, an interesting precedent that probably it's going to be more important as uh, we see AI become more and more part of our lives.
5: Well, absolutely for sure, and I should point out that this was a Lutheran uh, congregation, so that nobody thinks that uh, this is you know, something that happened in a Catholic mass. Uh, but you know, there there are so many different interesting angles to this. Uh, one of them, the the scholar who helped put together the uh, the Chat GPT form and and you know sort of plugged the data into it, says that he uh, he, did, he conceived the service, he did not execute it, but he accompanied it, and it's uh, the idea of accompaniment, how we use it uh in a catholic context is very different than the idea of accompanying a chatbot as it puts out data but the other thing i was thinking about is we've been having a fill-in priest at our parish uh father philip and okay. uh he's just moved on and he was a missionary and yesterday his homily he talked about how uh as in his missionary life he'd been kidnapped he'd had to eat monkey he told us what monkey tasted like he told us uh no. you know about the times that he's uh, faced down Gangs, the times that he's done all these other things, and how he's been, you know, experiencing the faithfulness of God and all of this. And we all have difficult things that we're going to go through. You know, we may not have to eat monkey, right? But we're <laughs> going to have to face some crazy things. And I'm thinking, no robot could preach this. I mean, no robot could ever preach no. that.
2: No, you can't. You can't substitute the priest or the pastor or the homilist. Uh, we we can look for instruments that help us but there is no substitution and i think it's it's great it's a great point um let me throw this out to you though that what there's a a point in the article where it says ai can help us to uh not waste a lot of time it can help us uh to do things so that the priest is free for the sacraments or for spiritual guidance i think they mentioned that and i thought that was a great idea i mean wouldn't it be great to have like a, a frequently asked questioned ai so you know, you have a person who just moved. So oh, I'm, i I'd like to join this parish. I don't know what to do. You know, it's always good to have that personal touch, and you know, but I think a lot of a lot of things could probably be lifted from the people working in the parish by using an AI. Um, again, as long we we don't we want to make sure that we greet people and that there's the human touch in everything we do. That's vitally important. Uh, I, I think that a lot of things could be done by an AI, and I would welcome that.
5: Well, and there are things that we're already doing that are sort of in that direction, like getting forms uh, you know, taken care of or, you know, so you want to plug into this ministry. Well, here are questions right. you might want to ask yourself if you want to be involved in this. I mean, there's there's that. But again, the sacrament, you know, perform proper matter. And, you know, when the priest has got a story about eating monkeys, that helps, too. Father Philip Array, we've got Humanity 2.0 in your website linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day.
2: Thank you, Matt. Great to be on the show again.
1: Thank you so much, Father Philip. And you can find links to all of our guests at SONRISEMORNINGSHOW.com. Click on the show notes and don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you can get it all in your inbox every morning. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. The Holy See today has released the list of those who will be participating at the gathering of the Synod on Synodality in October. Brownsville Bishop Daniel Flores, who has overseen the U.S. bishops' efforts in the Synod, is listed as a president's delegate. The president of the Synod is Pope Francis. Bishop William Skurla of the Ruthenian Eparchy of Pittsburgh has been named a special delegate. The delegates chosen by the U.S. bishops' conference are Archbishop Timothy Broglio, Bishop Robert Barron, Bishop Kevin Rhodes, and Cardinal Timothy Dolan. The Pope has also appointed Cardinal Blaise Cupich, Archbishop Paul Achen, Cardinal Wilton Gregory, Cardinal Robert McElroy, Cardinal Sean O'Malley, and Father James Martin. Cardinal Joseph Tobin is listed as a member of the Ordinary Council. The U.S. will reportedly be arming Ukraine with cluster bombs. The Pentagon is expected to announce today that President Biden has approved Ukraine's request for the weapons. The provision would bypass a U.S. law prohibiting the production, use or transfer of cluster munitions, which are banned by most countries in the world. The announcement comes as concerns are rising over Ukraine's lagging counteroffensive against Russian troops and its dwindling stocks of artillery. Meanwhile, Russian jets have harassed U.S. military drones over Syria for a second time. More from Mark Mayfield.
0: On Wednesday, the Pentagon announced that Russian jets had dropped parachute flares on American drones. On Thursday, U.S. military officials say that Russian planes dropped more flares on more U.S. drones trying to carry out a mission against ISIS. Lieutenant General Alexis Grinkwich says the incident represents another example of unprofessional and unsafe actions by Russian air forces. I'm Mark Mayfield.
1: The man who fatally shot 23 people at a Walmart in El Paso will be sentenced in federal court today. The shooter admitted he targeted Hispanics in the 2019 mass shooting. Survivors and relatives of the victims came face-to-face with the shooter in court this week. He pleaded guilty back in February to 90 counts in exchange for a sentence of 90 consecutive life terms. He could still face the death penalty, though, when he's prosecuted by the state of Texas. Cardinal Michael Cherney, who heads the Dicastery for Promoting Integral Human Development, has released a message for Sea Sunday this weekend highlighting the essential work of seafarers. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports.
4: In his message marking the annual celebration of Sea Sunday, Cardinal Czerny reiterates the Church's closeness and solidarity with all seafarers. The message notes that though our daily lives and the world economy depend on their essential work, we know hardly anything about their needs and their faith. Many are forced to stay away from their loved ones and don't even have access to spiritual services during their long months at sea. The Prefect of the Dicastery for Promoting Integral Human Development therefore recalls that Sea Sunday is not reserved to seafarers, but calls the attention of every Christian community to those thanks to whom we receive a great part of the goods that nourish us and that we use every day. However, he adds, the church not only has something to give to seafarers, but also to receive from them. Your experience can reach and challenge all the members of the church, and through them our societies, the message remarks, recalling that in a synodal church, in which we walk together, enriching one another without leaving anyone behind, no one should think that they have nothing to offer. The message, therefore, reiterates the Church's commitment in this year's celebration to renew its efforts to get closer to each other in an ongoing exchange that would make seafarers' work less far from the daily experience and the faith of all. Cardinal Czerny concludes the message by invoking the intercession of Mary, the Star of the Sea, and for her to be a font of consolation and perseverance. I am Lisa Zengarini. The
1: Holy Yesterday released the Pope's schedule for his upcoming visit to Mongolia. The Holy Father will be the first Pope to visit the country, which borders both China and Russia. The apostolic voyage is scheduled from September 1st through the 4th. He's set to meet with civic and religious leaders and will speak at an ecumenical interreligious meeting on September 3rd, after which he will celebrate Mass. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour.
4: The sun, the sun, the sun. All yeah. right. Yeah.
1: This past year has been a crazy
8: roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or
5: nonprofit
8: on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com.
5: Do you use a single-brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you.
1: Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission.
5: And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store.
1: Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks,
9: In which church are these attributes and marks found? Namely, unity, holiness, catholicity, apostolicity, infallibility, and indefectibility. There are a number of churches now in our global culture that seem to be universal, that exist in all nations. But there is no religion other than the Catholic Church that has all of these marks and attributes. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 17, He who does not hear the church, let him be as a heathen or a publican. What our Lord meant was this. If anyone will not obey the church or belong to the church, that person is in grave danger of his soul. And so let us then try to cooperate with the grace given to God through his one holy Catholic apostolic church so that we might thereby reach the salvation to which he calls us. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan.
1: It's 37 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. So happy to have you along with us on a Friday morning. Thanks for joining us. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Bobby Schindler from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network online at lifeandhope.com. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning, Annie. Bobby, I was excited to see you sent along some new studies um, from researching the brain that could really have some implications, I think, for helping people recover from traumatic brain injuries. Can you tell us about the study on speech recognition?
14: Right. And this also includes stroke, Annie. And, you know, it's interesting. I I know I, uh, you know, I, I send articles and we talk about brain research and, and some of the new discoveries that they're making. And thank God. I mean, God bless these doctors that are conducting and holding these research and these studies because it's shedding light on really the wonders of the brain and, and all this new, all these new findings that are helping people with strokes and brain injury. And, and i got to tell you, Annie, there's a lot more out there. I mean, I send you some more of the obvious significant research studies but there's if you do a, a search on brain uh, injury or stroke injury and, and recovery, you can just see all the studies that are taking place to try and help people and learn more about the brain and this is one of them and this is after this is what's so remarkable and extraordinary about this study. this um, really changes it says it upends a hundred year thought of doctors where they said that the brain's uh, verbal language catalog kind of like where you where you hold your your language, your your words, where it's stored in your brain. They always thought it was in the uh, back of the brain. Uh, Now they just discovered through this research, it was a doctor, uh, uh, the name is difficult, Dr. DeMera, this is not the last name, DeMera, had 26 volunteers. And it's not in the back, it's in the front, the primary auditory cortex. And this is significant when treating people with brain injuries and stroke to help them with speech rehabilitation, speech therapy, and, and helping with the recovery process. So, I mean, just think about it, Annie. A hundred years of thought, thinking that where you store your, your, the words that you use, your lexicon, they thought it was in the back, and they find a hundred years later, it's actually in the front, and this is really going to improve. Uh, therapy for people that do suffer from these brain injuries and strokes. So it's, it's, as I said, it's pretty remarkable uh, after 100 years that they they they've do research. They've now found something that's going to significantly help uh, patients.
1: Yeah, I mean, really remarkable, really exciting, um, particularly for, for those who have family members that are recovering from a brain injury or a stroke. But I think hits home the point, Bobby, that you bring up all the time, but always bears repeating i think that there is so much about the brain that we don't understand and we're still learning about it even in in these scientific realms that uh that doctors really need to take note and and maybe be a little more careful about pulling the plug so to speak on someone who hasn't had that much time to recover yet
14: well well i'm glad you mentioned that annie and and and, and and that's what's so troubling, Annie. We're we're getting, and, and of course, these types of brain injuries are much more significant than than what we're talking about here with with these uh with these speech uh, therapies. These people that that, sure. that have these uh, strokes, but we we're getting regular calls from families whose loved ones are being diagnosed in, in a very quick fashion. I know we talk about all the time as being brain dead. We have had one last week. Within within days, sometimes even hours of being admitted to the hospital with a brain injury, these individuals are being um, being diagnosed brain dead, and are recommending pressuring families to stop treatment. It's just it's it's unthinkable to me how, especially with all this research coming out, particularly with the time that's needed that should be afforded the brain to see if in fact can respond to therapy. That doctors are still making these quick decisions. I mean, Annie, we can talk about it at a later time. But there's a a member. It's a it's a um, it's part of this. Uh, uh, it's the Uniform Death uh, Commission, and they are actually getting together to consider making it uh, expanding the criteria to make it easier to di- some, diagnose someone as being brain dead, which makes absolutely no sense to me, particularly when it flies in the face of all this new, new research that's coming out that that says that that is is quite definitive in saying that the brain needs more time to recover
1: Uh, speaking of which this is another article that you sent our way from Physicians Weekly about recovery and how long it takes
14: right and and this is for mild brain injuries but nevertheless it it still talks about the necessity and the need for for persons that experience brain injuries uh, for time in fact this study that was conducted that even 6 and 12 months after a mild TBI, traumatic brain injury, that people have still not fully recovered. They need more time. And, and what's interesting about this, um, Annie, is that the, if, if, you, if you read toward the end of the article, it said that uh, these people, it's very difficult for them to get the care that they need because they're traditionally undeserved by health care. And what does that mean? Basically, healthcare doesn't recognize them or provide them the resources to continue um, therapy, rehabilitation, or whatever it is that's needed to help these individuals recover from these brain injuries. So, Annie, there's so much more that needs to be done for these individuals, and we just need, and just as I said earlier, I'm just so glad there are doctors out there that see the, the, the need and how these people uh, need to, um, uh, what they're going to need, and, and the research that, that needs to be uh, Conducted to see what can help these individuals, because there's so much out there that 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 isn't being done that could potentially help these individuals.
1: Yeah, and and you keep stressing that these are, are more mild injuries that they're studying on the brain, um, but when when we're talking about traumatic brain injuries, still. Even um, even though we were were looking at these studies for for mild brain injuries, it would lead one to believe that maybe we shouldn't be so quick on the trigger when it comes to pronouncing brain death.
14: Well, no. And and that's that's and and, and I got to tell you, these these calls that we get, these aren't elderly. These are very young individuals that that are involved in these car accidents. The one we see last week, someone attempted a suicide, and they it's un- unfortunately, mm. very sad, but they experienced a, sad. an anoxic brain injury. But the family is seeing signs of improvement or, or response. But yet, the the hospital is getting aggressive and wanting to terminate care. And sometimes you wonder how this is all kind of intertwined with organ donations because of the the demand for organs. So, I mean, are they making these quick decisions so they can they can uh, harvest these organs from these individuals? So. It's just It's just sad that these families at least I mean it's, I, I, I tell you like what is the rush There's not, It's not going to be really any difference at all. You're still going to have viable organs or viable chances to to donate uh, whatever it is uh, that might be uh, available, so to speak, uh, if they wait you know several weeks, months before they make this decision to to terminate care.
1: And God bless the hospital workers who do allow families to have time. I know uh, my own family saw that just recently. Um, my my late nephew, um, they were going to test him several times for brain death and held off ultimately because he was showing some signs of movement and allowed him to, to die a natural death instead of, Pulling the plug on him so um, we do see some instances where where they may not be so quick to pull the plug but at the same time we've got to continue to be vigilant um, when it comes to allowing these families to have that time to really make sure that uh, that the proper diagnosis is being put out there we've been talking to Bobby Schindler and Bobby if there's uh, somebody that wants to get in touch perhaps knows a family who could use the services of the Life and Hope Network? How do they get in touch?
3: Sure.
14: You go to lifeandhope.com, lifeandhope.com. And, Annie, we've got dozens and dozens of stories that speak just to this, how patients that were giving really no chance at any type of recovery have, in fact, defied the 85 odds and recovered. So you can read those stories for yourself.
1: It's incredible. It's incredible. Lifeandhope.com, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Bobby, thank you so much.
14: Thank you, Annie. God
5: bless
1: you. You too. Thank you. All right. It is 14 till now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Father Jonathan Duncan joins us next.
5: I'm Matt Swain, grateful that Visiting Angels underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide to continue living at home rather than a nursing home. Experienced, compassionate caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. And services are provided up to 24 hours per day with caregiver selection before service begins. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Are you looking for
7: peace, longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world work for the new evangelization go to lordteachmetopray.com order your free digital training and manual find true happiness and everlasting joy go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red button today it's free approved by the usccb tis the season for iced
5: tea if you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy the carmelite monks of wyoming have a number of options including lemongrass mint ginger orange and blossoming jasmine
1: Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission.
5: While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store.
1: Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. Divine Intimacy Radio.
2: When you engage with the wisdom of saints this way, it stokes the fires of God in our hearts encourages us, strengthens us, and gives us wisdom to deal with the difficulties of life. It also gives us wisdom that allows us to rise above all of the junk to live with joy and peace in the midst of even the most difficult circumstances.
8: Divine Intimacy Radio, Sunday, 6.30 a.m., 1.30 p.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Today on More to Life, love me, love me not. Struggling to feel close to the people you care about will help bridge the gap. That's today on More to Life. Now back
1: to the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 11 till... Joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Jonathan Duncan. He's a priest for the Diocese of Charleston. He works in parish, campus, and hospital ministry. And you can follow him on Twitter at FRJDuncan. Father, good morning.
15: Good morning. Good to be with you.
1: It is good to have you. And so for the 14th Sunday in Ordinary Time, we have Zechariah and uh, a prophecy that Jesus fulfills with the entry into Jerusalem. Psalm 145, a royal psalm. St. Paul and Romans chapter 8, we are not in the flesh but in the spirit. And then in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus saying that he is meek and humble of heart, that his yoke is easy and his burden light. So what is standing out to you from all of that as you look ahead to Mass this Sunday?
15: Well, there's a lot, and, and I have to tell you, Romans 8 is probably my favorite chapter of one of my favorite books really? in all of the Bible. I, I did a whole homily once, I think it was a Pentecost, where I just read through slowly the entirety of, of chapter 8, so we could nice. hear it as one big thing. Um, so for everyone listening, read Romans 8 from start to finish. You should do that. (laughs) Awesome. I'm actually going to preach on Matthew. Oh, Um,
1: nice. Okay. Yeah, I think, you know, that
15: the line uh, towards the end of our gospel, you know, which we've heard so many times, come unto me, all you are labor um, and are are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You know, our, our Lord is He's offering us two things. He's offering to both take something off of us, the burden, and at the same time, he's offering to give something to us, a yoke. And I think we have to understand both of those things to understand the fullness of the Christ. Our Lord is, is taking away a burden, right? To, to yeah. those who were his listeners, you know, he was taking away the burden of, of of earning their place in God's sight through the law. You know, he was earning, uh, he was taking away that burden of, I've got to fulfill these commandments, and I can't fulfill these commandments, and I'm, I'm failing in it. And he's taking that burden away from them and saying, I am the one True faithful Israelite. I am the the true exile. You know, all of the, the the Pharisees were, of course, great teachers of the law, and their hope was by teaching Israel they would be forming a, a remnant that God would use uh, to bring about His His kingdom. And yet Christ comes and essentially says, "I am the remnant." Right, the the the, the, the faithful remnant has been boiled down to one man, one new Adam, one new David, one new Moses, and that's me. And so that burden was taken off of them. But in every generation, we have these burdens, you know. So for for us now, um, obviously the law is, is not the burden, but it's, but it's the burden of having to earn our existence, to having to earn our place. And of course, there's so much um, anxiety and despair, um, particularly among the young, but in every generation, and often at its root particularly the despair is this sense of i have to i have to earn my place yeah. even in this world i have to earn love if i if i if i'm not successful what am i if i'm not good looking what am i and our lord takes that burden away he takes that burden and says you know i i have come to call all of you i've come to draw all of you and it's something that began in the heart of God, not in, in us. And so it's something that is, as as of course we hear in Romans, that comes as a gift. You know, this salvation comes as a gift, not as something we earn. So He's taking away that burden. He's taking away the burden of, uh, of fearing death. You know, that's of course a burden that, that weighs on us all throughout our lives as we begin to age, as we watch our parents age. As we watch those around us age that burden of that fear of death is something and he he takes that off of us but we can't really stop there and i think we can't sorry father we
1: you cut out there for a second and i'm gonna i'm gonna jump in because i mean ultimately the the yoke that he is taking away is is the burden of of slavery for us the burden of of the slavery to sin right and and i love how you were saying that he has this gift for us because it's not just that we will find rest he says i will give you rest can you talk about rest and how god sees the purpose of rest because I mean I know you're in Charleston right so you got a lot of vacationers coming and and resting on the beach out there um, but but just sitting on the beach is not exactly the kind of rest that that the Lord is talking about.
15: Absolutely. So um, full disclosure, I was at the beach last week. <laughs> however,
1: I don't think however, Jesus would condemn that, Father. Okay, well she. I hope
15: not. Okay, so <laughs> no, I'll tell you the most. The moments we look back on in our lives that are the most beautiful and the most fulfilling are not simply the moments where we did nothing. Rest is not not doing things. You know, nobody ever looks back on their life and thinks, oh, man, I, you know, remember that nap I took five years <laughs> ago? That was the most amazing. Or remember that day where I just did nothing? You know, rest properly is giving us an opportunity to enjoy what we've done, and enjoy those around us, and does does the Lord put a yoke on us? Absolutely He does. But the yoke He puts on us, well, they may think, well, you know, sometimes I don't experience the Christian life as as light, or my my Catholic practice as light, but it's light, because what He's putting on us, He's not going to offer or ask of us anything that we weren't made to do, and that won't bring us ultimate fulfillment. So yes, he asks us to worship and to pray and to serve our neighbor, because you were made to do those things. And yes, even things you were made to do, like speak and walk, are cultivate, but you were made to do them. And when you do them, you'll flourish. And so that's the yoke he offers. He offers you The chance to do what you were made to do, which is to worship and to serve, to love God and your neighbor.
1: And to flourish, as you say. We've been talking to Father Jonathan Duncan, and Father, really appreciate your thoughts this morning on the readings for Mass for the 14th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Uh, I think your listeners are going to hear a good homily this weekend. Thank you so much. Thanks, Anna. All right, that'll do it for this Friday edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.